Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast hosted by Corey and Shauna Burris. They are a former pastor, a college teacher, and Pacific Northwest coffee lovers. Mostly, they are Jesus followers who find themselves in lots of interesting conversations with non-Christians, former Christians, wondering Christians, and young adults from all kinds of backgrounds. And we want to invite you into those conversations. The Bread and Cup podcast is a place for real talk about the Bible, life, and what it takes to move beyond the easy answers. So let's grab a cup and join the conversation. Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast. I'm Shauna. And I'm Corey. And today in our cup is a chai tea latte. And then we made these nice little pumpkin spiced cupcakes. And they're very good. With your homemade buttercream, which you put cinnamon in, it was very tasty. Yeah, actually the cupcake's just a vanilla cupcake and the buttercream is pumpkin spice buttercream. Well, they taste like pumpkin spice all the way through because who eats a cupcake without the icing? Nobody. And in our house, the icing has to be almost as tall as the cupcake because I don't care for the cake. Well, that's weird. Well, yeah. So, but. So today we have a little, we have a um, bread and cup story. Yes. So we're going to, you know, every once in a while we like to tell you a little bit about our past, kind of where we came from and, and things that have influenced our either perspective on faith or family or whatnot and whatnot. So we thought we would share with you guys a big transitional point in our life. Yep. And uh, we referenced it in our last story, but didn't really talk. We, we didn't tell the story. We just sort of mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we're going to talk a little bit about our transition out to the Northwest. Now we both grew up in the Midwest, grew up a large, chunk of our lives. I moved around a lot more than you did, but like we drew, we, we, we were Midwest people. And if you would have asked me in school, if I would have thought that I was going to end up in near Seattle, I would have laughed at you or been like, awesome. I end up near Seattle. Cause that's um, where tooth and nail records started. That's, that is where tooth yeah. and nail records started. And if you were a good Christian boy and, and your youth group in the nineties, you wanted to go and visit tooth and nail records. Um, and so uh, okay, so this is a side story, but what was it last year? We got to see Switchfoot play in this tiny little theater that was actually the theater right where a lot of the early tooth and nail bands yeah. would play. It's like just off of the UW campus. It's on the UW campus. Oh, so. it was it. It was. We, cool. We've been to a lot of concerts together. Yeah, and we've seen Switchfoot several times together. That has to be one of my all-time favorite concerts. Yeah, it was so cool. Okay, great. that's just a side note. That's not actually our story for today. So we ended up out here in the Pacific Northwest. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that journey of like, how did that come about? Why Why did two, you know, yeah. Midwest people that were a little well, let's start squidgy, in the Midwest. a little squidgy at the time, <laughs> we were a little we're, soft. We're still a little squidgy. Well, um, we're older. So that's, now that's, that's the reason. It's a different kind of squidgy. Yeah. And now it's, it's saggy. Cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... Let's let's start at the beginning of the story. The beginning of the story is we meet at North Central at the time Bible College. With uh, the second year we were there, it became North Central University. Um, we get married and we sort of set down roots there. We we get jobs, we buy our first house, and we have a a darling daughter, firstborn baby girl, and then life goes to poo. Yeah, it's not the fault of our darling daughter. She's fantastic. Yeah. But life did go almost instantly to poo after That's true. we had her. Yeah. I had my wisdom teeth taken out shortly after that, which I feel was you the feel beginning. Like we lost that our wisdom really, and then that was that. That was the beginning of okay. it all. <laughs> it 
It was a bad day. I remember that very much. But um, <laughs> so we, yeah, we were we're in Minnesota. Um, we have our daughter. Um, I lost my job. We talked about that in a previous episode about, you know, leaving ministry and some of those things. Yep. And I lost my job. And so, you know, you do what you have to do to make things work. And as, right. um, you know, you feel that at least as an, as I always felt this like sense of responsibility. We got to do this. We got to do what yep. we have to do. And so I worked at a coffee shop in the mornings for, well. So thankfully, I had a job with a financial institution. And I was going to go down to like one or two days a week um, and mostly be home with with our kiddo. And thankfully, they took me back. And it was a pretty good job. So it, it sort of kept life going, except for we had this, you know, this problem of child care. Um, small problem. Small problem. We, we couldn't both work. We didn't have any place to put our baby. And we now had this baby. So what and, did... And, what, I think, and I think that, like, you, you feel trapped into making certain decisions because you don't know what, it, what it's like without... Like, we never knew life without both of us working. Yeah. And, and how to adjust to that level of life and i'm not saying we could have made it with yeah. one per- the, person the math would have said it it didn't it right wouldn't have worked so we um yeah and i ended up finding a job where i got connected with a place that my dad worked at and like they hired me and they allowed me to work evenings so i would it was like half night shift yeah so right. i would i would go into work at like Five o'clock. I think or it was 5:30? six p.m. I think you worked six p.m. to two a.m. because I got off work at five. Yeah, and I get home by about five twenty. You'd have dinner on the table. So good that you're the better cook of the two of us. That worked out handy for me. I'd get home from work because I worked a regular like eight to five deal, eight thirty to five. We'd eat eat dinner together, and I'm using finger quotes. You all can't see that because this is a podcast, but I'm using because really we had like. 15 minutes max to be right. sort of in each other's space, but we were bound and determined to have family dinner together. And so we would have our tiny little infants, you know, six month old baby. You and I would shovel in whatever you'd made for us in 15 minutes. And then you'd walk out the door and you'd work until 2 a.m. Yeah. And I would, um, I remember that very well because I would go in and I would be me and the cleaning people at the, at the business because it was just me. I was the only person that they let do that. So it was super cool that they were willing to allow that to happen. But, um, yeah, so I would, I would sit there and work until two in the morning. I'd listen to like the radio while I worked and do my stuff. Too bad there wasn't podcasts then. I know it was before. Yeah. Yeah, So, but so what it meant was that you and I spent Almost no time together. Yeah. We technically had weekends off together, but you worked Friday until 2 a.m. And then you didn't have to go into work until Monday at 6 p.m. or whatever it was. No, I so I we, worked Sunday nights too. So, oh, yeah. But it didn't really help us that much. Yeah, however it was, it was, you know, we you were sort of half a stay-at-home dad because you were home with our baby all all day while I was at work. Right. And then I was with her all evening and then all night. And I would try to get up in the morning when she got up really early when she was little. So I'd get up with her at that 5.30, 6 a.m. time, hang out with her so you could at least get a block of sleep, you know, from 3 a.m. to maybe 7.30 or 8 when I left for work. Right. And right? and it was, 
it was always interesting because um, it, it was one of those things because we never did life together during yeah. that time. Like there was, you have your own way of doing it. And I know this about, yeah. this is true of people that are like military families yeah. that and I have a, I have a coworker and her husband's in the military and he gets deployed. And she says, we, be, we create our own rhythm while he's gone. Yeah. And so then he comes back and is almost like a foreigner in our own home. Yeah. And it felt that way a lot of times, like even on the weekends where we were like, you know, I had my way of doing things. Yeah. I had my way of taking care of Anna and I had my way of taking care of, you know, the house, the or, house or, or yep. doing my own things or maybe not doing them the way that you would do them. And yeah. you had the same thing. Your evenings were a certain way. Yeah. And so we weren't used to having no. time together and time. And you were sad because you weren't, you know, right. like you had just, you'd only been out of college, what, two and a half years or yeah. two years, something like that. And you were already not in your field and we were doing tons of phone interviews and looking for another pastoral position. And I was just angry. I was mad. I felt very much like I told you this wasn't the right time to expand our family. And I told you I wanted to be home with our kids. And so because we had set things up for me to be home, we didn't have childcare options. We didn't, right. right? We sort of, because of the way that the, you know, the job loss or the transition happened, she had already been born. I was home on maternity leave there. We, we were sort of in this position where um, we didn't really have a lot of time to make other choices. We had to make the choice that would suit us for that minute or that next day. We couldn't be very forward thinking. So we ended up really stuck. And I... Um, we say that, but I don't know that we were. I think we felt stuck. And I think that's yeah, a difference. Like, yeah, and absolutely. I think that... That is, you know, we look back on it now and we're older, we're wiser, we're all those, well, I don't know if we're wiser, but we're, we're theoretically we are. Um, and we go, oh man, we felt like our only option was X, these Y, or things, Z yeah. and to make these choices and to do those things. Yeah. And, and it made sense. And But I think that we were just not okay with maybe some of the discomfort that would come with making those other choices. Yeah. At least for me, I think that was true of like, and some of them didn't seem like feasible. Like we, we actually didn't have the the bandwidth to conceptualize something else. Right. I mean, it, it takes quite a lot of mental and emotional energy to dr dream something big or to to really genuinely problem solve right you and i actually talk about this when we talk about um you know the families who are who are trying to get their children back from the reunification with their children out of foster care or some of the families your organization serves whereas there's this sometimes from the outside it's like well just make better choices like, right if you want your you child but if yeah. you want your child back they they literally have a a checklist. Just go to the checklist and do the checklist things. But man, when you're living in chronic stress, when it is all you can do to get up and just handle that day's worth of effort, there isn't actually the mental or emotional bandwidth to make different decisions. And there's certainly for you and I, there wasn't the physical, emotional energy to invest in other time. We were both exhausted. You weren't sleeping enough. I wasn't sleeping enough. We were first time parents. We didn't know what we were doing. We were now really poor because we, you know, we had our great emergency savings. It was now gone because 
of maternity leave plus being unexpectedly out of work and all those things, I think, yes, 42 and 43-year-olds, us, with the safety and security we have now, we could make different decisions now. I don't know that we could have yeah. then. I, I just don't know that we actually would have had the capacity. And we felt very isolated because we weren't in our church communities. Yeah. The people it, that had been mentors and friends were, were gone. Well, I mean, we were alone. Yeah. Because at this time, this was also the other things were happening. Like with my family, my parents were close, but, but there was some, some personal things that I can't share that were going on with them at the time. Yeah. Um, and we didn't know it, but we, they were very disconnected. And then, um, and then as, as close as my, my brother and his wife were with us, we weren't as close at they that time. Just they had just married. gotten married so they and were building, they were building their careers and, and we weren't, we weren't, we got along great with them, but I don't know that we were quite friends with them yet. We weren't quite friends with them yet. Yeah. And most of our friends from the college years that we were really, you know, they were sort of our people. They were on their second baby by the time we had yeah. our first. And they all had ministry jobs and they were starting to move out of the city. So it was just this confluence of of timing where everything that could have been a support or that, you know, we had this wonderful network of support when we got married young as we started building our lives. And then it was like that year. It was just like the bottom fell out. Yeah. All of our support just, we just, yeah. And I don't know that we knew even how to begin reaching out. It's not that people would would have been unwilling to help us. I think we just didn't even know what we needed. It was it was just keep this tiny new human alive <laughs> and don't miss the mortgage payment. Yeah. And we kept her alive, so that was pretty sweet. We did. I think she turned out great. Yes. Yeah. But no, um no worse for the wear. <laughs> but um so we said we we actually just had a kind of a moment of sitting down and your parents at least at this point who also were very close with us um had moved out to Washington um yeah. to take a pastoral job out here in Olympia. And um with your brothers and all of that stuff because yeah. they were still in high school and and all of a sudden it was all right, well they're out there. We have nothing. What do we, what do we do? Yeah. And I don't know, was your mom ever like encouraging you to come move out here? I mean, it was a resounding drumbeat. Every phone call. So when are you guys moving out here? When are you guys moving out yeah. here? You guys, hey, let me just fly you and the baby out. Like you guys could use a break. I'm just gonna fly you and the baby out. Yeah. So that happened a lot. Um, I think, uh, I think Anna flew three times before she was a year or something or, but I mean, yeah, we came out yeah. several times. But then, but to make that decision was huge, right? To be able to say, hey, we're going to abandon all these connections because as much as you're right, we didn't have a network around us that was active. You had, you had a good friend that was really close with you, but oh, I, I had didn't. wonderful friends. I yeah. had, I had guys that I had mentored through, through youth group, but no real close friends that were yeah, like, your friends had I mean, invested some of them were in moving my, out of the city. We, right. and we kept contact with some of those ministry friends. They were dear to us and they remain dear to us now, but it was different at the time. Yeah, They had, they had their own lives. I mean, they were running ministries and they were building their family. Yeah. Yeah. It was just different. And so, but you know, like, but it still was a, a kind of a haul to be able to go, okay, we're going to, we're going to give up the known for the unknown. For the unknown. Yep. And um 
And, but we did, like we said, okay. We listed our house for sale. We didn't know if it was going to sell and it didn't. It didn't <laughs> right for away. a while. Yeah. Strangely, our house sold in Minnesota in January. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah, it is a little weird. It's bizarre. And if you don't know this, in Minnesota, it snows like 17 million feet. And, yeah, and in January, it's it's starting to get really, really cold. So it, it snows some, but mostly by then, there's a couple feet of snow on the ground, and it's like rock hard. It is yeah. not an awesome time to move. Yeah. But we were just about to pull the house off the market. We're like, okay, we're praying about this. We we think we're going to chuck this life and just like move to Minnesota or to Washington. Um, but I guess if the house isn't going to sell, then, then this is a closed door and, yeah. and we'll just trust that God has something for us here. And we were, I think it was the week before something like that. It was really close. And we get a phone call from a realtor. Hey, uh, we have a full price offer. You guys willing to take it? Yes. Yes. We will take a full price yep. offer. Thank you very much for that. Um, we hand in our resignations to our work. I'd just gotten promoted. I'd had it six, eight weeks. Yeah. Um, and we hand in our resignations and we take the check from the profit from our house. Oh, and in my last week of work, um, somebody without a driver's license or insurance stole their mom's car and totaled my car while I was on my way to work. Yeah. So, so which I mean, we literally quit everything, but we took almost nothing with us. And I will the say, baby, the baby, the baby came. the 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 car being hit was like for me this like because we had a car payment at the time. Yeah. We had you know, and all of this stuff, and now we had nothing. We yeah. literally came to Washington with two crates filled with all of our junk. You know, Few which of why our junk. Did, why did we keep ninety percent of it? I'm still not sure. Some of it we did not need to come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there were like couches couches and they were the first couches we ever bought. That's true. That's true. At the time, they had sentimental value. And our bed. Remember our bed? We were so excited about it. Well, that mattress was great. That was the biggest investment we had made up until that point. That go and tell you where we were. So then, so we move out and like pack everything into these like little pods and move out. And then we moved in with your parents. We did. So lived in their extra room. And I'm going to use big words here, feel free to correct me. Um, but sort of, we now at this point, we are solidly in our marriage vows. We have every intention of being together, but I would say we don't have much of a relationship. Yeah. We are a almost a year in, we're 10 months in to pretty much not talking to each other. Like we, we like share baby stats and dinner lists, but we hadn't had other than, yeah, let's list the house and yes, let's move. No, we shouldn't take that weird church job in Arkansas. Other than those few like touch base conversations, we didn't talk. Right. Partly because we just didn't spend time together, but partly because there wasn't much to say. Yeah. Plus, I think, I mean, you said you were angry, angry yeah. with me and I don't blame you. And I don't know if I was angry with. You were angry about the situation. I was very angry at the situation. And in my immaturity, I linked you to that. I I lost sight of what a big loss that was for you. And I really just felt how big of a loss it was for me. Mm. And while I, while I resented that we were in that position, I didn't quite blame you. And I wasn't mad at you. 
But I was just really frustrated that that we were in the position because I felt like I'd seen that as a possibility and that it had sort of been like, well, there's never a good time to have a baby. This will be fine. And for me, it was like, but see, not fine. All the not fine. Right. And and obviously you didn't control most of those things, but I just, I didn't want to talk to you about it because there wasn't a constructive way of saying, I'm so disappointed in our life right now. Yeah. And I was too, though. Like yeah, on the other course. side, I was super disappointed with where we were and what was going on. And so... You had lost probably more than I did. Yeah. And so we move out here and... It was truly hitting the reset button, like on our lives. Like we had, oh, yeah. we had no friends. Yeah. Um, I remember your your parents would try to set us up with random people in their From church. The church. Yeah. Some of them were, they all of them were great people that God loved. And they not loved all God of well. them. Not all of them were people that Burrises loved. So yeah. I mean, and in fairness to them, I don't think they liked the Burrises very I don't, much. I don't blame them, but it's no, okay. Yeah, we were a little. We yeah. maybe weren't their kind of people either. Probably. Which, which was okay, I, I guess, in the end. But it, it, was, it was bizarre to go from Minneapolis, this massive, massive urban area where we had, I mean, even if we felt disconnected from sort of, from sort of support structure, we knew tons of people. We knew that we'd been living there seven years. So there was, there was people everywhere, right? And there was familiarity with, yeah. um, not just with like, life but everything right you knew where everything was and you knew if you really needed something there was somebody you could talk to that was in the vicinity of where you were at and so we come out here with no jobs and i mean thankfully my parent my parents were so invested in getting their first and only grandchild to this side of the u.s that they were like, sure, you can just live with us until you get your feet under you. So thankfully... Which we, my parents were not happy about, but that's okay. No. <laughs> so, well, yeah. They wouldn't let us live with them. <laughs> that's probably true. So, you know, it's it, it worked out the way it did without... Your parents are lovely. They are wonderful grandparents. We have so much fun when we get to see them. They are fantastic people. They're not listening. You don't have to say all this okay, stuff, good. so it's okay. Well, it was difficult uh-huh. at the time. Yeah. And yeah, so we moved in with my parents. So we're sharing a bedroom because my youngest brother was still living at home in his bedroom. So it's you and I. Shared a bathroom, by the way, that like we shared with your brother. So that was yeah, pretty sweet. that was awesome. Um, Those doors didn't close and stay closed very. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that our listeners care about that part of it. I'm just thinking like, like yeah. yeah. We didn't have a lot of privacy. Also, our our toddler slept in the room with us and... We slept on a pullout couch. That's right. That was terrible. Yeah. And for me, that wasn't even the hardest part because you you did find a job. It wasn't a stellar job, but you found a job. So you'd go to work during the day and I was home. Everyone went to work and it was just me and the baby and then my sister who was total care special needs. Um, so she needed full time. I mean, right. as if she was an infant. And so that was sort of how we paid our way is I would help take care of her while my parents were at work. And so during the day, I had this huge house to myself. But in the first couple of weeks, you didn't have a job yet. And it was just like weird. It was weird. It was. It was like, it was sitting with somebody that you were familiar with that you were also strangers with at the same time. Because um, like we have very 
uh, now we have much more transparent discussions about how we feel about things and how and how we are um, like disappointed with something not even with each other but with yeah. other things right like yeah. i'm disappointed that this outside thing happened yeah and we can understand that and we get that but we didn't at that time like we either hadn't developed it as being young enough married or we hadn't um we hadn't had to yeah it wasn't a true. skill we needed yeah in that you know five and a half well yeah something five and a half ish years of marriage we hadn't needed that skill. We were still best friends and we loved doing stuff together. And there was a lot we liked, you know, to do together. And we also each had our own things and that was great. And then suddenly we had the only thing that overlapped was 15 minutes of dinner and a baby. And, and then we had almost no overlap. And then suddenly we're trapped 24 hours a day in a home by yourself. And we didn't have a car yet. Yeah. And my parents lived far enough out. We couldn't walk to town. So we were literally trapped. And honestly, I believe that that was the best gift God gave us because we were, we were stuck there. Yeah. And we didn't talk to each other for probably the first 10 days. And then suddenly, like for real talk, like I want to clarify, like we, we talked to each other, like, 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 <laughs> we didn't be do like you want, mm. do you want grilled cheese with your soup? Like, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we weren't, we weren't purposefully ignoring it, wasn't? We weren't like right. doing the silent treatment. We just literally didn't have anything to say to each other. Yeah. Or didn't know how to say the things we did have to say. Yeah. And so it wasn't for me. I think antagonistic. it was. I think it was I just think, silence. And I think for me, it it it. This is something that we have learned in our marriage over time. Is like understand why you feel the way you feel. Because I don't Emotional think I don't I don't think I knew that I was sad. If you would have asked me, I'd have been like, "I'm fine, I'm good." Yeah. And and so, but when and we talked about this in one of our previous podcasts, but like when you are alone and you have to sit in your muck, yeah. you start to be really reflective on like, oh, oh, like when you're alone and you don't have noise around you, you don't have things to distract you. From, I mean, I remember when, when, when we were living life separately together, right? Yeah. I played a lot of video games when Anna was taking naps. Yeah. I would just sit down at the computer and play for hours and hours and hours because it was a distraction to the, the deep sadness that I felt. Yeah. And so, um, and I, at times I would prefer that over sleep. You know what I mean? Like, I sure. mean, because that was, that was like this like well, drug sleep almost. Bringing, sleep was bringing work to you quickly. Right. That's true too. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that, um, but, but being there, right. We had access to all those things. I could have played video games, but. But sort of, but also not really because we were in their home. Yeah. And we didn't have a TV up in our private space there was right. only a tv in the common area which means that you couldn't just sort and this of, is in this is before smartphones and all of that yeah, stuff yeah i mean we had cell phones but they were like yeah it was before razors because i got my first hot pink razor from t-mobile the special t-mobile like deep hot pink color from mother's day when our second child was what would she have been two months old oh uh, yeah right? so i mean this was 
pre-flip phone even. It's like old school Samsung with the squishy buttons. Mm -hmm. It's pretty awesome. Well, it's pretty awesome. You could play Snake on it. You could. It's yeah. pretty cool. You don't want to while away hours playing Snake. <laughs> so, yeah, but I think that that was, like, we needed that moment of yeah. not just being together, because I think that was part of it, but being bored together. Bored together mm -hmm. of, like, Agreed. oh, I actually do feel this way. And then... And then kind of rekindling that friendship that we had yeah. to want to talk about it with somebody that we, yeah. we trusted and knew we could trust. And to, yeah. to gain that trust back, yes. But yeah. like... I don't know that I ever felt like the trust was missing between us. I think, I think the, certainly the sort of like romantic no. enjoyment of each other was totally... I think trust, I always think of it as, it, not not as in trust of like, I trust you with this, but as in trust that, um, that you could understand where I was at. Uh, yeah. Not... Yeah, not yeah. not as in like I think you're going to take it and use it against me. Not sure. that kind of trust, but like as in, oh no no, like you are the I trust you so much. You are the best person to tell this to. Okay, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I think that had that we, my response had, will be to for your good, right. not just that I won't use it against you, but that there will be a that my response will be to mourn with you, rejoice with you, encourage you, right, edify you you know, to use some of the language we're learning now, remind you who you actually are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I just don't know that I was, I was at a place where I was ready to do that either. Like yeah, in terms of, yeah, just to yeah. be like totally transparent. Like this is how I'm feeling. And yeah. I've noticed in the course of ever marriage that um, when you are very sad, that maybe because of sort of the way you process emotion, that that actually isn't a good time for me to share with you that I am also sad because you take it on as a burden. You feel like, oh, I, I need to help her. And you don't have the bandwidth for that. Right. Um, do you think that that's accurate? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I very much feel that weight and responsibility on yeah. anything, like anyone, our kids, our you know, yeah. friends even at times. Feelings weigh heavier to you than they do to me. Yeah. People can hand me their feeling and I can feel the weight of it, but I don't sort of, I don't pick it, like I don't wear it. Yeah. You know, like if somebody hands me their emotion, I can feel the weight of it in my hands and I can love them and, and weep with them and honor the, the true weight of their feelings. And then I can actually just set that down. I don't have to take it with me. But for you, for you to feel the weight of it, you actually you actually put that on yourself. Right. And it, it has taken several years for you to be able to go, okay, well, I'm going to wear this in this conversation to respect them and honor them. But then I'm going to go ahead and take it off again. Because I don't know that that was what yeah. at the time would have been the norm. It yeah. would have been to just continue wearing it and then putting the next weight of emotion on again. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I think that, like, I think you're right. I think that that time was a gift to us and that we wow. learned a lot and we, we even look back on it and it was very difficult. Um, I, but I still contend it was the worst year of our marriage. We've that had, year, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've had other really difficult years as a family, like years of loss and years of heartache and years of um, 
just years that I wouldn't want. To but we repeat. were together in it. But we were always together in it. Yeah. But that year we weren't together in it. And, and I contend that that was the worst year of our marriage. I think that for me, like to kind of, maybe there's more you want to share, but like to kind of wrap this that all around uh, or wrap this all up is that um, two things I learned out of that is first of all, um, sometimes you, you need to be quiet mm -hmm. to listen to yourself and to know yourself better. Mm -hmm. I don't think that was something I learned as a kid. I did not, I never grew up with the idea of like, oh, like your emotions are okay and you need to, you need to know why you feel the way you feel. Yeah. Um, they're I indicators. Was, yeah. They're yeah. indicators of something else and that's okay. And, yeah. and feel that I, I was never discouraged from feeling emotional, no, but like no, I was never, I was never challenged to dive deeper into that. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing that I learned out of that. And I think the other thing is like, sometimes life needs a reset. Yeah. And I think that we have actually um, talked with other people that we know, family members or friends, where I will say to them, like, you need to consider not being here. Yeah. Like, the problem is you're here, and this is comfortable, and this is this is doable, and you you don't either lean on your spouse or you don't rely on God or you, you just are just in too much of a comfort zone yep. and you need to hit the reset button on your life. Yep. And, and in doing that, you need to, you will figure out who you are. Yeah. And I don't think that's true of everyone. I'm not saying everybody should well, go out and always, do it. It doesn't always have to be a cross country move. Well, that's true. Right. Yeah. I mean, for you and I, that's what it ended up being. And I would say the same. There was one other thing we did in this shift that was extremely strategic. Um, and, and I think I'm grateful we did it. Um, we're, so when we moved out here, we, you know, we had gone to an assembly of God Bible college. We'd grown up primarily AG. And as Corey said at the beginning of the story, um, the reason we picked this particular place was because my parents had gotten hired on at a church here. Um, and that's why they had come out. And so it, and it was an assembly of God church that we had roots with, but we had decided to get licensed in the Foursquare denomination. And there was also a Foursquare church here. And we very strategically chose not to go to the assembly of God church where inevitably we could have gotten plugged in and, you know, staff or not staff, we certainly would have at least immediately had quite a church network to volunteer in and be involved with. And we chose instead to go to the equally sized four square church where no one knew us from Adam. Yeah. They had no idea who we were. They had no idea what our background was. They had no idea, um, who are, you know, like anything, they didn't know anything about us. And, and we had to sort of stand on our own two feet and, and sort of prove our character. And I'm really grateful for that. Mm. I think I, I don't advocate that everybody has to, you know, quit their jobs and sell their house and take their new baby and move across the country. But wreck their car. Make sure you wreck make your sure car. Make sure you wreck your car. No, let someone else wreck your car That's where true. you're not That's at fault better. and don't get hurt. Yeah. Um, but sure. I mean, just quit all the things. And sometimes that's necessary. There definitely are, have been some couples, some young couples that we have said to them, you are, you are far too comfortable here. You, you've got to go figure out who you are away from the lens of 
of all of these people that think they know who you are and think they know what your calling is, but you're just listening to their voices. You're not listening to God. So you got to get out of here to go do that. Um, but just as often we've said to people, stop running away from your problems. Your problems are going to follow you. So just moving again yeah. or buying the next house or taking the next job isn't going to solve this. This is an internal issue. And so I think the lesson for me was that in our case, it wasn't a quick escape. We had lived a year in a tension. We had prayerfully um, sought for what was coming next for us. We had fought hard to make things work where we were. And we didn't press reset until there was nothing new available to us. We weren't running from something. That's a good point. We were running into something. We were running into an opportunity to figure out who in the heck the Burrises are. Um, we were running into an opportunity to look at jobs and life in a way that we didn't see available to us where we were. And I, that's what I would like to lead. Yes, we need silence very much. And we need to consider what our feelings are signaling in us. I don't think they're decision makers, but but we very much need to listen to what they're telling telling us. What they tell you, you about you, not yes. what they guide for your next steps. And I think, yeah, I think yeah. that's important. What they're clarify. indicating about yeah. your motivation or your expectation. Sometimes or, it's ugly. Sometimes it's beautiful. Yep. And that's okay. Yep. Right? Just own it. Yep. But you got to, you got to spend some time thinking about it. And then pushing reset is really important. You see it all over the, the old Testament, right? God gave people new names. God called them to new lands. God would call people out before calling them back right. into the, the very place they started. And, but it's, it, the distinction is that you're not running away from a problem. You've sat in the problem and you've done the silence and you've done the introspection and then you're running towards something. Uh, and that the beauty of, of standing on your own two feet and deciding, I'm going to, I'm just going to figure out what this looks like when someone else isn't telling me what they think I am. Yeah, that's good. I think this is, that's a good thing. I think that um, where we are currently may have forced people to do that, right? We hear a lot of people talking about because we're in COVID and there's yeah. still elements of quarantine still happening. I think that a lot of people right now are ha being forced to be introspective and mm. where change was forced upon them. Yeah. And um, instead of, yeah, listen to your emotions, listen to, and listen to what it's saying about you yeah. and the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? And yeah. so um, it's good stuff. So, but uh, thank you for listening this week. I hope you our enjoyed story. our story and our like sharing a little bit of our past, some more of our past. Yeah. Um, and I hope it's useful for you. Me too. As always, we'd love to have you join the conversation. Give us your thoughts and your feedback. You can find us at Bread and Cup Podcast on Instagram and Facebook or breadandcuppodcast.com. To join the conversation, like and subscribe, then find us on Instagram at Bread and Cup Podcast. You can also find us at our website and other social platforms linked in the show notes.